The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina, and I'm joined each and every week by my co-host, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? You know, it's going pretty good. As I mentioned to you before the show, I lost my phone. And not like the normal loss like I do like every day where it's like I spend five minutes scrambling before I find it. This thing's real good in loss. Like, I don't know if my dog buried it. I, I've probably seen it five times and just like my brain didn't capture it, but I'm doing this podcast and hoping that at some point my brain resets itself and I will find it later. But also, yeah. you know, I'm not that important. People really don't need to bother me right now. <laughs> well, you'll find it when you're not looking for it. That's always the what, what happens. And uh, I tend to lose my phone a lot, too. And I was telling you, I have a specific chair that I sit in in my living room. And sometimes the phone will fall in between the chair and I have to basically just rip the <laughs> the seams to get to it. So I'm sure you're going to find it. But so just to give uh, everyone a point of reference, we're recording this podcast on Saturday, the 19th at about 1 PM Eastern time. And uh, Scott, I, I would think that you would need some extra sleep because I, I think you were tweeting until like the wee hours of the morning talking about Tariq Skubal and uh, I bet you fell asleep to visions of uh, Scoobles, fastballs, and sliders dancing in your head. I mean, I probably was also mumbling about him after I fell asleep, right? <laughs> like, at least you're giving me the opportunity to just talk about him uh, and asking me. I would have inserted him even if you didn't, right? Uh, just because, like, like I tweeted, he's been absolutely excellent uh, over the last 30 days or so. Um, he's there's not much more I can say that I haven't said on like every single podcast that we've had. He's really putting it together. Uh, he did give up a couple home runs in his last start, but with the secondaries working so well, he can overcome a two home run start now in a way that he couldn't earlier in the season. Right. And, and these last starts, I mean, he's been facing some of it is softer competition, right? His last six starts, Seattle, Cleveland, New York, Chicago White Sox, Chicago White Sox, Kansas City. So like half and half sort of with like good and bad offenses, but the strikeouts keep coming. Uh, the walks are more than acceptable. It's three or less strikeouts, at least six. He's gone um, six innings a couple times now. He's got two straight starts with six innings. I don't know if he can go more than that very often uh, just with the way he is and, and the Tigers probably not wanting to overextend him, but you have to love everything he's doing. Nick has moved him up into like the top 40 range. Uh, finally, uh, sort of vindicating me and my love of him. Cause I've been talking about him ever since we started this thing, right? I've mm -hmm. been trying to plug him at least once an episode. If I can, um, if he's somehow available in one of your leagues and he's available in a surprising number of leagues, oh, yeah. um, Grab him. you know, don't, don't wait, go get mm -hmm. him right now. This is a, a very good arm. And even if it's a little up and down throughout the season, his upside is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you say that, you know, some of the competition that he had was a little light, but, you know, to me, you need to build up confidence too. And sometimes, you know, if you you have to perform against the uh, the teams that aren't that good, so and, and that just helps you to, like I said, build up confidence. And and you look at the Tigers now, and I'm not, you know, just blowing smoke at you. I mean, you, you talk about Scooble, then they have Casey Mize. What'd you think of Matt Manning the other night? I mean, they have a, a nice trio 
of young pitchers that could develop together and you know it's looking like the tigers could be contenders you know within the next you know two or three years to have three really good starters like that yeah i mean it's beautiful i mean i don't want to get too much into like the, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect kind of thing pitchers can can get injured blah 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 i like matt manning i think it was a rough start he leaned really heavy on that fastball um you know the results were okay but you know i think next year so like last year mize and scoobal made their debuts and it wasn't great uh it was very hit and miss and i think that's what you would expect from manning if he you know pitches the rest of the season uh next year though he definitely has mize and scoobal upside there are those out there like our own trevor Huth, who think that he might be one of the better ones mm-hmm. he might be the better one of this of this trio so you have to be excited and the last thing i'll say is yeah the schedule was light but at the same time like it's the al central of course mm-hmm. it's light mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. it's a bad division yeah in another way it was a very busy week for you too scott you uh were working uh twitter uh, sending out uh, baseball card care packages yeah just giving them away i mean look i've got I mean, I'm, I can see your office from here. You've got all kinds of collectibles and stuff that you've got into. I've got a whole bunch of baseball cards that we're just going to sit in boxes until, um, you know, really forever, right? In perpetuity, they just sort of sat in these boxes until my future ancestors had to uh, get rid of them for me, right? <laughs> or not my ancestors, <laughs> but like my, you know, my, my kids or their grandkids would eventually have to get rid of these things. So right. um, I'm giving them away. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's folks that are trying to get in the hobby. There's folks who have kids who want to get in the hobby. And so I'm giving them away and, and I'm probably tapped out for now just because I've probably got like 20, 25 people. I'm just giving cards to for free, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm eating the postage. I'm sending them for free. Yeah, that's no nice of you, expectation yeah. of, of reciprocation. I just want people to enjoy them. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'll probably do it again, you know, probably towards the end of the summer after, you know, there's a couple products coming out soon that I really like stadium club, Allen and Ginter, gypsy queen. Uh, after those comes out, I'll have another big old batch of cards that I like, but that I'll never look at again. So uh, I'll probably do it again. So keep an eye on my Twitter and I'll, I'll be giving them away for free. There you go. There you go. Yankees, baby. Yankees, right? So uh, you had a better week than I did. I spent the week drying out my basement. Uh, right now uh, I'm in a, a different location. I usually record from the basement and I have like 15 high powered fans running and killing my electric bill, drying out the carpeting and whatnot. But the one thing that made me happy, Scott, was that HBO Max added the Super Friends cartoons to their library. Now, you, you might be a little young to, to remember when they were on, but maybe you've seen them in, in syndication or whatnot. But uh, it was one of my favorites, and uh, especially when they featured the Legion of Doom. It's like 13 of the uh, Super Friends' nemesis. And uh, uh, actually, Legion of Doom, Scott, was the name of my fantasy baseball and football teams for a while. You know, now I just stick to, you know, if I'm in Yahoo, if they call my team Joe's Dazzling Team, I'll leave it. But uh, Legion of Doom was the the name of my fantasy baseball and football teams when I first got started playing. It is the purpose of the Legion to align our infamous forces against the powers of good and defeat them, leaving us the rulers of the world. Pretty much all my teams have the same name. I call it Big League Chew. I've got a little like logo that looks like, you know, the big league chew bubblegum logo uh, that, uh, that a guy made up for me. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I, li- I like team names. I I'm aware of the super friends because the Simpsons made fun of them. But that's about <laughs> it. Uh, so, all right, let's get started talking uh, some baseball here. We'll just spend a minute or two on, on the sticky stuff. Uh, you know, we have clarification now uh, what, is going to happen if players or pitchers are, are caught using sticky stuff, uh, 10 day suspension with pay for using any substance. And we'll just mention real quick, uh, Tyler glass now blaming MLB for what was initially diagnosed as a partial UCL tear and flexor strain, uh, pointing out that he had to change his approach mid season. And, uh, we got an update from MLB trade rumors, uh, today, Saturday, saying that Glass now is going to be rested for four weeks before being, beginning to throw again. Latest diagnosis theorizes that his elbow irritation could at least in part be the result of a bone issue. So Glass now really ticked off <laughs> MLB. He had been using sunscreen and rosin to help his grip. And uh, here's his quote. This is coming from Glass now now. 
He said, I just threw 80 something innings and you just told me I can't use anything. I have to change everything. I truly believe 100% that's why I got hurt. I'm frustrated MLB doesn't understand. You can't just tell us to use nothing. It's crazy. Look, I don't want to get into all the all the stuff about is this cheating, is this not cheating. This story is impossibly deep, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they talk. we've got articles on Pitcher List. The Athletic has done a really great job covering it. I mean, probably every other podcast you listen to covers it. There are so many twists and turns and directions and interpretations and, you know, rationales and everything. It's impossibly deep. I think for fantasy purposes, there's two things that we should do. And I I know I'm not the only one who says this. This isn't some like bold statement. Number one, it's so difficult, if not impossible, to project how players will do without sticky stuff if they were using them and then now they're not. Right. I mean, a good example, Trevor Bauer, he's gotten a little bit beat up in his last couple starts. Things have been different, but his spin rates are still a whole lot higher than they were earlier in his career, even with nothing. Right. Um, and when you take away spin rate, it also changes movement. It also could change pitchers approach entirely. Mm-hmm. Right. Their pitch mix could change drastically because they're no longer utilizing certain pitches as much because they can't get them to move the way they want. Uh, all, all these kinds of things. So. From a fantasy perspective, I'm doing basically nothing, right? Are there pitcher, are there hitters that could benefit? Yes, you could try to isolate certain groups of hitters that were really struggling against like high spin fastballs, and uh, you know, especially high spin fastballs like up in the zone, and maybe they'll do a little better, right? One of the guys, and I, you know, I didn't find this out. This was something the Athletic talked about. Like Matt Chapman is a guy mm-hmm. who theoretically could see a bit of a boost, but how much? Like how, how often was he seeing high spin fastballs up? How many more pitchers is he going to face that can throw good high seam fastballs up? Will pitchers keep trying to throw these high spin fastballs up now that they can't use sticky stuff? Mm-hmm. There are too many variables. I think that we all have to sort of continue without, without any kind of clear answer. And the more you can tolerate the ambiguity of what's going to happen, the better off you will be. Except that we don't know don't overreact to a single start that, Oh man, like I can't, I I, I'm probably going to like not listen to baseball radio from June 21st for the rest of the week. Cause Mm -hmm. all I'm going to hear is how somebody's spin rate was down 50 or a hundred or 200 RPM. And then what happened after. Right. Um, and we're going to hear all these hot takes tune out the noise, get rid of it. And just, just like keep doing what you're doing. It's a little bit like the rabbit ball. We did not know who was going to benefit most from the rabbit ball. Like in hindsight, it's easy to talk about like, oh, well, I now see why this guy benefited. But it was more than just the ball being the rabbit ball. You also needed hitters to change their approach at the plate. Try to hit more home runs, right? They need to try to do that. Like a guy like DJ LeMayhew did change his approach to that. Mm-hmm. Right. He changed the way he was lifting the ball because of his park and because of the ball. And he did that. But like there's guys that could do that and who won't. Right. Or they'll try it and be unsuccessful. It's going to be really hard to predict. I would continue doing everything you've been doing up till now. I don't think there's a lot of profit to be made trying to speculate who is going to have fallout from this. Yeah. Great advice on your part. And uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, I think June 21st is officially the date where uh, MLB is going to enforce the suspensions if uh, a ball player or pitcher is, is caught using the sticky stuff. So, But uh, let's move on. Last week we dissected some scenarios that some of your uh, fellow fantasy managers are dealing with and answered some questions. And, and while we, we always like to talk about players who've caught the attention of uh, fantasy baseball managers because either they're on a hot or cold streak. But instead of us just giving you our analysis of an individual player, and we'll definitely do that, we're going to do what we did last week, which I think worked out pretty well. We're going to share some questions and scenarios that some of your uh, uh, fellow fantasy players are asking and dealing with. And uh, a lot of the the players that are being mentioned, that will uh, Jake Fraley, Bobby Bradley, uh, Yerman Mercedes, 
uh, Ahmed Rosario, and we'll even uh, mention Matt Chapman, who you alluded to uh, earlier. But uh, let's get started. So one of the questions uh, that was asked, and some of these are from uh, Fantasy Baseball Reddit, in a a 12-team Roto, Scott, 5 by 5 whether it would be wise to drop Jake Cronenworth for Votto or Polanco. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I'm assuming they're talking about Jorge Polanco. There's no one out yes. there who's asking mm-hmm. about Gregory Polanco right now. Um, so, here's here's the thing about that. There's a reason most people got Cronenworth. Um, obviously, some of it is because he had that great season last year, and he's carried a lot of those skills into this season, right? Um, he's actually, you know, about as good of a hitter as he was. Like, the slugging is down, of course. But um, he's still hitting home runs. I think what's happening is people are realizing that the final line for a guy like Jake Cronenworth is never going to be that sexy, right? Mm-hmm. He's very much a uh, David Fletcher type in a way, a Luis Arias with a few more counting sets. I mean, he's going to end the season probably short of 20 home runs, uh, probably short of 10 stolen bases, probably short of like 70 RBI, short of 90 runs scored right? Like you don't want too many guys in your team that's short on all of those. He's better in mm-hmm. points league. But again, would I drop him for some of these other guys in a 10 team league? Very possibly. Right. Um, because he's not that far above what you can probably stream out of, you know, some of these positions right now, these other guys you're talking about, they don't have the positional flexibility of a guy like Jake Cronenworth, but mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, Votto is is hitting the ball well right now. Um, again, I don't I don't think any of these guys are ones that you're going to hold on your roster for the entire season. I talked about this quite a bit last week as well. I don't know if any of these guys are worth rostering the entire season based on your needs. Like, if you need power, you should let go of Drake Cronenworth and find someone who hits more home runs than that, right? Mm-hmm. And Joey Votto might be that, right? And there might be other guys on on your waiver wire. Some other guys we might talk about, like. In a short spurt, a Bobby Bradley, a Jake Fraley. These guys were, are going to have more power than Jake Cronenworth. But don't compare them like apples for apples rest of season, right? Because I don't think any of them need to be on your roster rest of season. Unless, you know, the reason you keep Cronenworth out of this group is, I mean, Polanco is really the same player. Jorge Polanco, same player with slightly different positional eligibility, right? I mean, these are both guys that are maybe 20, 10, like 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases, maybe. Really good plate discipline, should be able to hit 270 to 280, that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. And Joey Votto is the same thing, but like maybe a little lower batting average and some more power, mm-hmm. and a better OBP because like he's Joey Votto and it's just what he does, right? Um, but but that's it, right? So none of these guys are so exciting that I'm like, yes, you need one of them. I'm sort of giving you the cop out answer of of stream them, yeah, Look yeah, at, and and don't just stream them based on like who's hot right now. Look at the schedules. If Joey yeah, Votto's yeah. getting a bunch of home games against weak pitching, you want to do that. Great American Ballpark is a great place to hit home runs. He can play really well there, especially as his team continues to heat up a little around him, right? Um, if if Jorge Polanco is going to get the back end of that Tigers rotation, it's terrible, right? Like, let him do that, mm-hmm. right? If, you know, if, if Cronenworth is, I mean, I know they just had a rough time in Chicago, but if they're going to, or not Chicago, Colorado, if they're going to Colorado again, or maybe facing some NL teams who just don't pitch well, do him instead compare mm-hmm. the schedule, stream them as you will, because in a 10 team league, there's not a ton of guys that you just have to hold. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that the person who asked this, they're looking at Cronenworth and what you say is absolutely correct. But for the past couple of weeks, like since May 25th, 188 batting average and a 52 WRC plus. And you know, Votto, the one thing that's strange about him, you aren't just like really used to seeing OBPs like 400 <laughs> and 450 from him. So I'm looking at the last three years. They're still very good, you know, in the mid 350 range. Uh, this season it's 331. You know, it looked like he had lost his power bat in 2018 and 2019. But right now, uh, looks like he's on a, a, a pace where he, you know, 30 home run pace, you know, over the past couple of seasons. So has some good expected starts uh, and gaining some attention from, you know, fantasy uh, baseball managers. Like, the next one is whether or not they should drop Nate Lowe. I was always going to call him Lau. <laughs> Nate Lowe for uh, for Votto. You look at Nate Lowe, his first 68 games, 
242 batting average, nine home runs, 36 RBI, four stolen bases. Has slumped badly, though, uh, recently. Those were his overall numbers. Um, and uh, the strikeout rate is up again. Remember, he had kind of like fixed that, but now it's up to almost 29%. So uh, I think just people are seeing that Votto has got that power bat back again and has that reputation. And uh, I don't know, what would you do in terms of low for Votto? I mean, for me, it's kind of easy. I'll, I'll take Votto right now. Again, mm-hmm. in a 10-team head-to-head points league, neither of these guys are the difference maker, right? Like you didn't win your league because you made this move. Right. But Votto is hitting better right now. He's got a much more consistent place in the lineup. The lineup around him is much, much better. And, you know, so one thing that I look at in points league is, is two things, right? I want to know how often they get on base because every time you get on base, it's a possibility to score more points. You get a couple points for the walk or the hit or whatever, but then can you get a run in, right? Can you score? And Votto, he bats fifth, you know, pretty much all the time lately. Uh, he's also bat, you know, somewhere between third and fifth for the entire season. Mm-hmm. And he scored a bunch of runs, right? So in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like in his last 10 games, he has like 10 runs, right? Nine, nine runs in his last like 10 games. It's, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I want. You know, the, the RBI were up for a little while. Obviously uh, he, he ripped Colorado pitching at home. He had a, he had a really nice series against them at home. Um, He's not hitting quite as well on this current road stand, but he stole a base, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if he could steal a base, anything's still possible, but <laughs> he, you know, he's going to, I like that offense better. I like his plate skills better. Even if your points league doesn't penalize for strikeouts, which if it does, this question's even easier, right? Then it's mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm. Votto. Uh, even if it doesn't penalize for strikeouts, Nate, you know, Nate Lowe has a worse team around him and that matters so much like lineup position and the people that hit around you matter so much in points because that's the other way to get points. The hits are great. And then will they score runs? Will they get RBI? And that's going to be harder for Lau than it is for Joey Votto, even mm-hmm. if they're both on a hot streak, right? Like, yeah, the home runs will be nice. And like, could I see a time in August where I tell you to flip flop? Sure. But again, that's because neither of these guys are full season have to keep them. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Votto's a better streamer right now. I think, yeah. you know, at this point, I mean, I probably would have cut, low weeks ago right in right. a points because at a 10 team points just you know if you don't have an established player at a position especially like first base just burn and churn keep going right keep keep cutting them when they get cold or someone else has better matchups mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but here's another first baseman that uh could be a, a streamer and a lot of people talking about him a lot of movement on the waiver wire bobby bradley uh cleveland first baseman uh, getting a lot of attention and uh, guy has a lot of power off to a good start in his first 10 games since being called up from AAA. 375 batting average four home runs 11 rbi one of these guys that uh, quote unquote in the best shape of his life lost 35 pounds in the uh, past off season i was going to say that it's a little surprising that he did get the call up but look cleveland could use all the help on offense that they could get. He was only batting 196 and had a 32% K rate in AAA before he was called up. But I think he had nine home runs. So uh, only 10 games, like I said. But what's impressing me, and it's a small sample size, but just a 22% K rate. Yeah, that's that's a huge surprise because it was a whole lot worse in the minor leagues, right? He was striking yeah. out 32% in the minor leagues. His last time uh, he was in the major leagues, he struck 40.8% of the time. That was in mm-hmm. 2019. Uh, in 15 games, it was really rough. He's had really high strikeout rates pretty much throughout his entire career, and it got even worse when he got to AAA, right? So he strikes me very much as a Nate uh, Nate Lowe type, a Bobby mm-hmm. Dahlbeck type, like the other power-hitting corner mm-hmm, infield mm-hmm. Bobby, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably DH. That's what he is. He's, he's all power. He's got no hit tool. He's got no speed. He's a average to below average defender. Um, but when he's hot, he'll hit a bunch of home runs. And so the first thing I do with a guy like this, is I look at the upcoming schedule, right? And he gets, um, you know, by the time you listen to this, he'll have a two game set against Chicago, 
And then he'll have Minnesota for four games, and that's a decent matchup for lefties. Then he'll get Detroit starting the following week. Um, those are all right for mm-hmm. for a power hitting lefty, right? Those are all right. Yeah. So am I saying to add him? Maybe, right? You got to be pretty desperate. You got to be asking me like Nate Lowe for Joey Votto. Mm-hmm. And then Bobby Bradley's in the conversation, right? right? Um, like the red schedule isn't necessarily a whole lot better. So it's like, okay, sure. Uh, but that's about it. I mean, this is, it's fun while it's happening, right? While it's hot in the moment you see that strikeout rate bumping up again, he's going to have a couple like over four nights with three strikeouts. Yes. Let yes. him go again. Let him yep, go because yep. that's part of his game. And it's not something he's just going to snap out of. Right. Well, well, someone was asking about another hot guy off the waiver wire, whether or not, he should add Jake Fraley or Bobby Bradley. Obviously, I guess they're looking to fill their utility spot because Fraley's an outfielder and, and Bradley's a first baseman. But keep in mind that Fraley wasn't in the lineup on Thursday or Friday, but really has been uh, swinging a very hot bat in his uh, first 17 games since being reinstated from the IL. Uh, he has four home runs, three stolen bases, and – Small sample size again, but showing some really good discipline at the plate there. Uh, 12.9 chase rate and 26.5% walk rate. Obviously, he's not going to keep that up. But uh, it, it is worth noting that uh, it is a, a little bit of more a disciplined hitter. So they're asking Fraley or Bobby Bradley. Now, these guys, uh, like you always say, I agree with you. I mean, they're streaming options. When, but But what would you do? Uh, for me, it, number one, if it's an OBP league, it's very obviously Fraley. And if it's not an OBP league, it's pretty obviously Fraley mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Bobby Bradley is, I mean, a lot of that. So both these guys you're talking about, like the stretches they've been on are probably the best you'll see all season. So like that orange has been juiced quite a bit already. So you really have to be thinking about, okay, for the next week, two weeks, month, what can this player offer me? And what are the odds that they can actually give it to me? Right. So the thing is Fraley is much less likely to have like an over 20 week, right? He's got, like you said, crazy good plate discipline right now, which is not, it's not been part of his game forever. Right. right? Uh, When he got to Seattle, he had very average to okay plate discipline previously in the major leagues. He actually really struggled with it. You know, not a lot of games, but obviously it wasn't great. Uh, it was improved in AAA while he was down there. And while he was striking out a lot, he was hitting it well. And then he just started walking a bunch, right? Like mm-hmm. right now, as of this recording, his walk rate is higher than his strikeout rate. That has changed a little bit over the last 10 games or so, but it's still a lot. He's still walking like 20% of the time. He has speed, right? Um, if he was to play the rest of the season, he could steal five to eight bags, right? Depending on where he is in the lineup. Like lately he's hit second because he's hot. Uh, you could see him drop as low. I mean, when he came up, he was hitting like, you know, early in the season, he was hitting like seventh. He's been fifth or sixth lately because Seattle's offense is not good. But, you know, that's that's the thing. I think he just can offer more. He doesn't mm-hmm. quite have the power of Bobby Bradley. But in most cases, you probably would rather have the speed anyway. Both of them are batting average, uh, you know, batting average sinks if, you know, if things work out the way we think they will, neither of them, I would expect to have high batting averages. Uh, neither one of them are going to pile up runs or RBI, but I think Fraley does have a chance to hit higher in a lineup, which while not good, it's not like Cleveland's lineup is a whole lot better, right? Cleveland's lineup being Jose, like the fighting Jose Ramirez is right? mm-hmm. like that's all they've got. So mm-hmm. I-, I like Fraley more. I think there's some arguments in the very short term, just because like they have uh, Seattle has some off days coming up. Uh, they have like two of them next week. So if you're in like a weekly league, I could see like maybe trying to hold off for one more week, but someone else will probably snag Fraley in that time. Um, I don't think he's a must add by any means, but if these are your two options and you feel they're the two best options available, it's Fraley over Bradley. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty easy. That was a lot of talk to say that it's just, yeah, I pick Fraley, but no, no, it's great he's, analysis. He's better, <laughs> like he's definitely better and, but neither is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bradley is like the new toy that everyone wants because, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about what Jock Peterson has been doing lately, quietly put together a, a nice stretch over the past uh, month or so, uh, actually oh, almost like a month and a half, hit two home runs on Friday night. Where, remember, we're recording this on Saturday, 
295 batting average with 10 home runs and 25 RBI in his last 37 games. And someone's asking, I guess they want to upgrade their utility spot, whether it's Jock Peterson or Bobby Bradley. Well, in a way, I'm thinking that Peterson is probably going to stay in that, has a better chance of staying in that lineup long term, right? Oh, oh yeah, it's not close. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is Jock Peterson by a mile. Yeah, they're kind of doing the uh, the Kyle Schwarber thing with him, leading him mm-hmm. off uh, most nights. And yeah, he's not great against lefties, but you know, obviously he's a, he runs real hot and cold. He's hot right now. He's got as much or more power as Bobby Bradley does in a full mm-hmm. season, in general. Yeah. Right. The difference is Jock Peterson way more established, better t- plate discipline, and yeah, he's had some bad batting average seasons, but he'll generally end up around two forty. Right, 240, 245. Bobby Bradley probably won't. Like, that's not where he'll end. Mm-hmm. If he was to play the same number of games rest of the season, I would expect Jock Peterson to hit a couple more home runs, have way better counting stats, and beat him in batting average by like 20 or 30 points. And I just, Jock Peterson, you know what you have. Like, take the devil you know over the devil you don't. Right? <laughs> right. Take the devil you know, where, you know, Jock Peterson has hit 25 home runs at least 25 four home runs four times. Mm-hmm. Really every time he's played 135 games, he's hit 25 home runs. Bobby Bradley, despite being on a team that has no first baseman, right? Um, might not because he might not even get to play enough, mm-hmm. right? Even rest of season, uh, give me Jock Peterson every single time. I think he's just way more likely to keep a strikeout rate below 30% because I don't think Bobby Bradley can do that. I think he can definitely hit 15 home runs rest of the way, maybe a few more. I think that his walk rate's down a little. I do expect it to come back up, uh, especially as maybe the next time he gets on a little more of a cold streak, he'll start taking a few more walks because he's not getting his bat on the ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we know the upside, right? We saw it in 2019. He hit 36 home runs. He can go on these crazy heaters and power your team. Bobby Bradley can't do that for more than a week. Yeah. Uh, We have an interesting dynasty question, uh, keeper question. And really, when you think about it, it might seem early to start thinking this, but Scott, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be officially just about at the season's midpoint. Can you believe that? Yeah, we're like over 40% of the way through of the season, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's wild. Here we are. Yeah. So they're asking whether or not they should keep Ozzy Albies or Francisco Lindor. So when I looked at their career 162-game average. I didn't realize how close they were. So you look at Ozzy Albee, 275 batting average, 24 home runs, 85 RBI, and 16 stolen bases. And Lindor's 162-game average, 281 batting average, 28 home runs, 83 RBI, and 20 stolen bases. Now, when you look at uh, Albee, um, he's more than doubled his walk rate from last season, cut his K rate, from 24.2 to 15.9 this season. Uh, We've spoken at length about Francisco Lindor's uh, tough start to the season. Bat is starting to come around. I think he's batting 259 in the month of June, so he's starting to see some life. I mean, do you have a a clear favorite here? Yeah, and it's Albies, and it's not because I don't like Lindor. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're talking about two players. He won't take it personal. Yeah, so, you know, two players who've been very similar over the last several seasons, right? Uh, Two players who we've seen a lot of, right? Like, obviously, so, like, I want to acknowledge that, like, from 2017 to 2019, Francisco Lindor was much, much better than Ozzy Albies, right? Like, he was basically Ozzy Albies with more power, like 10 more home runs. (laughs) But that's not the Lindor we've seen over the last 120 games or so. And I can't explain it, but it's really hard to ignore it at this point where at this, at this stage, it's really hard to see Lindor doing better than like 25 home runs and 15 steals. It's really hard to see more than that. I know he's been better than that in the past and maybe in three weeks, this will look like a silly thing to say because he goes on some heater, but he hasn't done that yet. And frankly, you know, you're talking about dynasty. I'm not saying Francisco Lindor's old. He's 27 and a half. Ozzy Albies is 24 and a half, right? Um, you're talking about a younger player who I project to be very similar for the rest of this season. In fact, I think Albies might be a little better for the rest of this season. 
because uh, I think he'll have a better batting average and similar power and similar speed. I think that, you know, at this point, unless you really know something that I don't, which is very possible about how Lindor's going to get back to being the guy he was in Cleveland, unless you know for sure that that's going to happen, I think you have to take Albies. I'm not going to like fault you if you think Lindor will go back to being that player, but it's really hard to see right now. And so you're kind of mostly going on, on gut and maybe like some personal scouting, which is cool. You can do that. I mean, that is a way to get an edge in this game. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing it. So I'm picking Albies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't argue with you. I can't argue with it at all. So moving on, we have a question whether or not keeper question, I guess for, uh, for the current season, Kevin Biggio or Ahmed Rosario person mostly needs help at stolen bases. Now, Ahmed Rosario, I mean, getting a lot of traction and you look at his, his he's sneaking up on you, right? His, his overall numbers for the season, 284 batting average, 338, 403, a slug and four home runs, 21 RBI, seven stolen bases, hasn't been caught stealing. And uh, especially in his last 22 games, batting 372 with a, a 419 OBP. Done a good job also in cutting down his uh, strikeouts as well. Uh, Biggio started the weekend 230 batting average, six home runs, 14 RBI in 46 games. Not running as much. Just three attempts on the season and uh, two stolen bases. Since coming off the IL, though, in a small sample size, 24 plate appearances, uh, has a 381 batting average, but still not running. No, and when you're batting for the Blue Jays right now, why would you? I mean, that whole lineup hits. <clears throat> yeah. Why run? Why why risk it? Right? Cleveland needs people to run to score. Mm-hmm. They, it just has to happen. They cannot back guys around consistently throughout the lineup. The Blue Jays can score could score another 50 runs without needing a stolen base. Right? They just don't need them. And mm-hmm. and Bichio, when he's played, is hitting you know, in a really nice spot in that lineup, right? Like last two games, he's been hitting fifth, moved him up. He'd been down at like seventh or eighth. And even then, why run? Let Marcus Semyon drive you in, right? Like, you don't, you don't need to. So if you're only talking about home or uh, stolen bases, fine. It's Ahmed Rosario. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that in a vacuum that both of these guys are like 20-ish stolen base kind of guys. But Rosario's batting second. He needs to run for this team. They need him to, right? Like they're they're like still trying to compete for this division. Uh, they've got to keep the White Sox at bay, and the way they do that is scoring as many runs as possible because they can't mm-hmm. score many, right? Especially now that they've <clears throat> they've lost Shane Bieber for a little while, they need to score every single time they can, and that's going to be running with Ahmed Rosario, yeah. who has yeah. twenty five stolen base upside, right? Uh, in a full season, I don't think he gets there this year, but I mean it's not impossible. I do think he can get to twenty. Uh, yeah. It'll be tough, but he could. 15's more realistic. I don't think Biggio gets there. Like, projections are going to say they have, like, similar stolen base upside, but it's not, I think, taking in enough account of these current team context. Mm-hmm. So back when Biggio was batting, like, second, uh, it was kind of useful to have him steal. Like, he was leading off, batting second. It was useful to have him steal because they didn't have a clear leadoff guy in Toronto. They had a couple power bats, but that was it, and they weren't hitting like they were now. Right. Mm-hmm. Why well, Guerrero was good, but he was not this. Right. So now that they're there, they've got him at the bottom of the lineup. They don't really need him to steal because like they're not hurting for runs and stealing is a very risk. Like it's a very risk heavy assessment, right? You have to wonder like, do we need to steal this base? Because if he gets out, we, our chance to score drops significantly. Right. And his, our chance to score, if he makes it doesn't always rise that much. Like it goes up, but not always to the same degree. So I just don't know that he will steal quite as much. Um, I like him in all, like almost all the other, I, I like him for RBI more. Probably I like him for, you know, I think he'll be similar and run scored maybe a little more because his offense is better. Uh, but Rosario is going to carry like a 40, 50 point advantage in batting average. Mm-hmm. He's going to get more plate appearances, I think. And uh, he's going to steal a couple more bases. So I think, you know, in a keeper league, what's tough is I just think the outlook for Biggio is a lot better, even though these are like sort of, I mean, they're similar age players. Weirdly enough, Rosario is younger, even though he's been around for a while. Yeah. He's been playing, 
you know, but you know, Biggio, <clears throat> Biggio is a guy who is, I think better long-term for that power speed combo. Rosario eventually isn't going to be the, I mean, I do think they want Andres Jimenez to be the guy for them. I, I I'm like, you know, good for them for getting Rosario. I don't think they knew what to do with him till now, you know, like the way other players played forced their hand here this season, Rosario future, really, really close. Probably Biggio for me. Yeah. Yeah. And Rosario does have some sneaky power. You know, I could see him in a couple of years being, you know, a guy that, you know, you could count on maybe for 15 home runs. It was really a top prospect before the Mets traded him. And uh, when you look at the names that they got back, you know, why not? You know, but I I agree with your uh, analysis with the uh, team from Cleveland needing to manufacture as many runs as possible. And uh, I think you're right that Rosario probably is going to have more opportunity to get some stolen bases, at least for this season. So, but let's move on. And had a few questions regarding Yerman Mercedes and Gary Sanchez. And and based on the questions we got, I guess these are some people that are uh, playing in leagues where Yerman Mercedes is catcher eligible, but you know, Gary Sanchez and I've, you know, as a Yankee fan, I've, you know, railed on him because I watch him play every day. So, you know, it's, it's very frustrating, but he's been on, you got to give him credit. He's been on a hot streak there, Scott, since May 27th, he's batting 328 with a 655 slug, five home runs and 11 RBI. And, uh, Still striking out a bunch, still striking out 28% of the time. And it just seems every time he goes off on one of these hot streaks, people get excited. I mean, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. And then uh, it ends up just being a streak. I mean, in my opinion, just watching him play every day, he's terrible from both sides of the ball. His defense, handling of pitchers, uh, you know, I mean, to me, a catcher should be basically the, the field general. I know that the shortstop position is very important, but you know, catcher, you know, to keep track of, of the count, knowing how many outs there are. I, I think it was against your Tigers a few weeks ago. It was a, a game on a Sunday afternoon where I forget who was pitching for the Yanks, but, you know, he gets a strikeout and Sanchez is running off the field as if they had three outs. I mean, so sometimes you have to wonder where this guy's head is in the game. But I don't know what would you what you think about uh, Gary Sanchez. I mean, we're talking single catcher league. Uh, sure. Right. Like, I think both these guys are, are in that streaming range now. You know, Mercedes has, has fallen off quite a bit. I think that Mercedes obviously is going to have a better batting average than Gary Sanchez. And oh, yeah. He's going, yes. he's going through an adjustment period right now, which, let's be clear, every player pretty much has to do. Like, unless your name is like Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, you know, one of these guys, they go through these adjustments periods where they start out hot play, you know, pitchers change how they approach them. And then it kind of gets, it gets a little murkier, right? Like they have to sort of battle their way back, get a little better at pitch recognition, things like that. But his bat skills really shouldn't be questioned. There's a reason he hit so well early in the season. It's because he's excellent at getting his bat on the ball. And I think he's going to get better at that as the season goes. I don't think he'll be a big power asset, but I think both are very streamable. The weird thing with Sanchez is I honestly thought he'd be a lot better at home than he's been on the road. And he's not. Mm-hmm. at all right like he's been he's been below average at home right and he strikes out this is this is what blew my mind his strikeout rate at home is 34.9 percent, and wow. on the road it's 22.4 hmm. like what yeah he strikeouts more than 10 percent less yeah i like didn't realize that. Points yeah. Less. it makes no sense and mm-hmm. his, his slugging at home 397 on wow. the road 489 again these are small samples so like mm-hmm, you can't mm-hmm. take too much from them but what the heck is that yeah yeah right like he should be mashing at home um you know while he's hitting sure he is just the most classic low average high strikeout power bat i mean how different is he from nate low other than he's catcher eligible if gary sanchez was a first baseman we would not care because I mean, I, and I know that he's not a first baseman, so we do care. But this is what he is. The end of his, at the end of the season, his batting average will be in the low twos at best, right? Um, he's mm-hmm. actually ended two different seasons. Granted, he doesn't always play a ton, but he's been ended two seasons below two hundred, right? Um, the slugging will be fine, not as high as you might think. 
um, you know, certain projection systems like him for another 18 home runs and have him getting close to 30, man, that's real generous because he's going to have to play a lot and he's going to have to increase his home run rate by like 40% to get there. But, you know, sure. Yeah. Stream him for now. You're streaming both of them. So Mm -hmm. like rest of season, I'd probably rather have Mercedes weirdly enough because I, I probably feel like I can get the power somewhere else without just tanking my other categories. Right. But if what you need is just power, I mean, the answer is just go get Sanchez, plug your nose and, you know, like figure out what you're going to do about batting average later. Yeah. Mercedes, man, though, he won 93 batting average since May 1st and he got off to that torrid start, right? It was batting 415 at the end of April. But I agree with you based on his pedigree, to get a, like a 302 batting average in uh, eight minor league seasons. I like him better than Sanchez, way better when it comes to uh, batting average. Uh, and there were a couple other names that were asked about just in, in catchers in general, whether uh, Sanchez or Omar Narvaez. Uh, to me, it's that's a no-brainer. I mean, Narvaez is a top 10 catcher, and you know, take him all the time. Max Stassi has been real hot. Uh, after spending a, a month on the IL uh, recuperating from a concussion. Yeah. And so, you know, again, this goes to where, like, you have to decide for you, like, where the streaming line is for catcher. Because in these single catcher leagues, you can't afford to get, like, sentimental about catchers. And that streaming line for me is probably around, like, five or six guys deep. So, you know, Sal Perez, JT Real Mudo, Wilson Contreras, Will Smith, probably. Um, and then it starts getting pretty murky, right? Like, Yasmani Grandal keeps getting on base and not doing anything else, right? Narvaez has been very good and be very difficult for me to get rid of him unless he starts not doing good anymore. Mm-hmm. But, like, until that happens, I don't care. So, like, I don't like to have catchers that tank a category for me that just crush me somewhere. And guys like Yasmani Grandal and Gary Sanchez crush your batting average. It'll be, I mean, sub 200 batting averages for these guys uh, over long stretches. So, you know, I think I probably go Narvaez in this group. Uh, I think he's been hitting the ball. Well, he's got some Mm -hmm. power. His lineup's not great, but he's got a good home ballpark. Oh Um, yes. And none of these guys have been a whole lot better than Narvaez. Now, like Stassi or Sanchez, like, what are you asking Max Stassi to be, right? You're kind of asking him to be Gary Sanchez for a little and then going back to being Max Stassi, who has considerably <laughs> less power. Um, I mean, like, again, in a shallow league, like a 10-teamer, like, maybe, sure. But actually, I'd rather have Sanchez because I think the lineup's a little better. Um, well, I mean, it's close at least. Uh, lineup's a little better. You, you know where he's going to bat. Like Stassi's batting in a really nice spot in the lineup for now, but like give him three cold games and he plummets, right? He goes back to batting, batting at the bottom and uh, Sanchez might not. It's, it's close, but like if I've got Sanchez, I'm keeping him. And Sanchez, you know, if one of these guys, really if any catcher is going to hit 30 home runs a season, it's probably Gary Sanchez. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and so at least give there's you a something 210 batting average. That's again, again, or worse, right? Like <laughs> I don't love that, but Stassi's not doing any of that stuff. He's a short-term streamer because you've been rostering. Like you had counted on Austin Nola and you never found someone else to take that spot mm-hmm. or, you know, like you've had catchers get hurt or it just never has panned out for you. Like you had Carson Kelly and then he sort of turned back into a pumpkin and now you don't know what to do. Like mm-hmm. Max Stassi's okay for that. But like, if you've got Omar Narvaez, you've got Gary Sanchez. Um, you don't need Max Stassi. Nice. You know, someone should probably roster him for a little while, but it's probably not you. Yeah. All right. So we've got a question in a deep league. This is a 14 team Roto seven by seven categories. This is real uh, interesting. So picking two out of these three players, and they, like I said, a deep league 14 teamer. Jake Fraley, who we've spoken about uh, today, Patrick Wisdom, and uh, your guy, Robbie Grossman. So, I mean, are, are you right in the, the, the hot hand here with, you know, 
with Fraley. I mean, it, I guess is Grossman the safest pick here because he's locked in uh, in a corner outfielder spot? And hitting leadoff, yeah. Mm. So, you know, I think this really is between Fraley and Grossman. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not super interested in Patrick Wisdom. I think as good as he could maybe be, the risk factor is really high, and his floor is way lower than Fraley's or Grossman. Because he could go back to striking out 35% of the time, not walking and not getting home runs. So I'd probably take wisdom out of there. I, I think you're right. I mean, Robbie Grossman's the safe pick here because you know that he's going to get on base at a nice high clip, right? 350-ish. I mean, he's got 355 right now. He doesn't strike out a ton. He's striking out a little bit more the last couple games, but he's the only leadoff man in Detroit. No mm-hmm. one else can take that job from him. There, There's just no other real option there, um, especially because Victor Reyes has just not been very good. So... It's going to be Robbie Grossman. I well, they're looking for two, just... right? They're looking for two out of three. Oh, Fra- oh that's Fraley easy. Wisdom. Yeah, Fraley yeah, so... Grossman for sure. If you yeah. only could pick one, it's probably Grossman for me because Fraley could easily, again, turn back into a pumpkin, whereas like Grossman, even if he gets a little worse, I know what he is. Yes. I know where the floor is. I, I've seen a four for Fraley, and it's really ugly. Right, so right. you're picking two, I think it's easy. Fraley, Grossman, if you're just picking one, it's probably Grossman unless you're like right. sort of behind and you need power mm-hmm. and, you know, more stolen bases because Grossman is only going to steal bases when the Tigers are losing tons of games in a row, which they haven't done for a little while. Um, so, like, probably Gro- probably Grossman, Fraley, Wisdom. Right, right, right. And I agree with you about Wisdom bottoming out. I mean, uh, very aggressive, almost too aggressive, right? Whiff rate of 38.9 and above on fastballs, breaking pitches, and off-speed pitches – Overall, 35.7 K rate. And, you know, the big league pitcher is going to take advantage of that aggressiveness. And uh, he's actually batting 225 over his last 40 at-bats. But the power is there, right? Five home runs and eight RBI. But I agree with your assessment on that. Jazz Chisholm, we haven't stuff. spoken. About, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Say, you, don't, you don't need sticky stuff when a guy swings his stuff like eight inches <laughs> off the plate. Right? Right. You don't need sticky stuff. <laughs> you just got to throw it. Right. We haven't spoken about Jazz Chisholm in a while, uh, and you have to wonder how long before his 32% K rate really starts to compromise his overall stats, right? Good good power uh, this season, eight home runs, uh, good speed, nine stolen bases in his first 47 games. 259 batting average, expected batting average 225, uh, expected slug is 50 points below his as a traditional slug of 448. June's been a tough month for him, batting 217, no stolen bases. But you have a, a couple of uh, individuals asking whether he'd be a better option than Cronenworth, who we spoke about earlier, or Vigio, who we spoke about earlier. So this is, I think, an important piece of context here for this particular person, whoever you are, uh, 10-team head-to-head. So five by five head to head means, you know, you're doing the, you know, win the most categories Mm -hmm. and um, Jazz Chisholm's big thing is that he's got a lot of speed, like the power has been okay, whatever, but it's speed. And I don't care that much about stolen bases and head to head five by five leagues because stolen bases aren't just fluky for a year long. They're extremely fluky week to week, right? Like even the best base dealers don't necessarily steal bases every week. Right. They just don't need to. Right. So I think if this is a standard five by five, you know, the first question, Jazz or Cronenworth, um, again, it, it's a little bit team dependent. But Cronenworth's a lot safer. Like I know Jazz is leading off, but leading off, you're not going to lead off long when you've gone like 76 June plate appearances hitting 217 with a sub 300 OBP. Like I know they don't mm-hmm. have a lot of options, but they can probably find another one who can do this. Right. And maybe, I mean, it's cool. They're letting him work through it. It's not like he's striking out particularly more than he was in June, but it's pretty ugly. And so probably Cronenworth is much safer in a, in a head to head league because you want some of that consistency from week to week. And as, as far as like rest of season projections, you know, while I don't see Cronenworth again, I said less than 20 home runs, less than 10 stolen bases. Um, the only difference between him and jazz is that I think Cronenworth will have like a 60 point better batting average, you know, for the rest of the season or at least like 20 or 30 points. 
And the only real difference is going to be that like jazz will steal more bases, several more bases, but like less than one base per week. So I kind of don't care. I'll probably mm-hmm. take Cronenworth and take the other stats that come with it and try to win those. Um, okay. Because that's my approach in five by five in a roto. It'd be different. I'd be going jazz. Cause I want those steals, but mm-hmm. five mm-hmm. by five head to head. I just don't care about him as much because I only have to beat someone for steals during the week. I don't right. need the most at the end of the season. I need more than this person this week. And I do feel I can stream those things. Um, and then Jazz or Biggio, these are actually surprisingly similar players, right? Like these are both guys that I think can be like 20-20 with low batting average. The difference, of course, right. is that Biggio is going to have more OBP. But assuming this isn't an OBP league, that won't really matter. Uh, that's a toss-up for me, right? Um, especially because Biggio doesn't have a ton more power. And also doesn't have a ton more batting average. Like Cronenworth was a little easier because he's going to have a ton more batting average and that's going to give him some like an advantage in runs and RBI. Uh, well, at least RBI maybe runs depending on how well the rest of the Miami Marlins lineup can do to bring jazz home. But you know, again, hard to do when a guy's hitting like 200. Mm. So the thing about Biggio is it's not like he's in a, he's in a much better lineup and I do think he'll beat him in RBI, but you're sort of trading RBI for runs scored probably and the rest of the differences aren't that much, right? Like how much would you rather have the three to five stolen bases versus the 20 points of batting average? I mean, it's, it's a fair question. Yes. Um, so I, I think it's pretty close. I probably wouldn't make a move on this right now. Uh, you know, like my pick for rest of season, a bit of a cop out is whoever I've already got for now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if Jazz turns it around later this month or Biggio turns it around later this month, I'm in. If they don't, it's probably Jazz by a slight margin. I just, for both, I just want to see what happens next. Both are going through like a little bit of a slump. Biggio came back from injury. Jazz is hitting his first kind of slump. What happens next? That's what's so important here. And it's silly to try to predict. It's incredibly difficult. And I don't want to do that just to give you an answer. There you I want to see what happens next. All right, just got two more, and we have dropping one of these guys, Joey Votto, Jonathan India, Jesus Aguiar, and Matt Chapman. I was looking at Aguiar, and I actually roster him in a 15-teamer, and even I didn't realize just how good a season he's compiled. 268 batting average, 12 home runs, just a 17% K rate in his first 67 games. Expected batting average, 291. Matt Chapman really has gotten off to a slow start coming off that offseason hip surgery, but starting to come around. Uh, Power's not there quite yet, but uh, in his last 14 games, batting 327, uh, two home runs, and uh, looks like he's starting to come back. And this is actually a bit of a tough question. Jonathan India batting over 300 the past month, and we've already spoken about Votto hitting the ball hard. Yeah, wow, it is tough. Um, we've got mm-hmm. a lot of guys who are uh, sort of on borderlines. And part of me wants to pick Matt Chapman because he's been so much worse. But also his ceiling rest of season is way higher than probably the rest of these guys. Mm-hmm. Right? So for me, the painful cut is probably a Jonathan India. Yeah, uh, I was thinking the same thing. Just yeah. because he, you know, like I, I know he's hitting. It's really hard to do right now because he's hitting lead off for the Reds. And I, I'm sort of wondering like why this person has to drop one. I really want to know uh, because there must be someone else on this roster. But if it's not and it's a shallow league, mm-hmm. probably India because he's got the most replaceable overall skill set. Again, he's go. hitting yep. leadoff for the Reds right now. and has been doing fairly well at it. And the Reds are a hot enough offense where he's hitting right in front of Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. And those guys are going to bring him around right now. So mm-hmm. that's tough, but I do think runs will be his main thing. He doesn't have a ton of power. He doesn't have a ton of speed. He has less power than these other three. Um, if it's a really shallow league, we're talking like eight teams or like 10 teams, no corner, maybe Matt Chapman, even though the upside's high because of how rough he's been, especially in batting average leagues. But like, that's only because the replacement level so high. You have to have a really high replacement level to consider doing that. How much better is Matt Chapman than the rest of the third baseman on your waiver wire? At least in terms of like upside projection rest of season. And go ahead and use Fangraph's projections and think like, okay, this is what Fangraph says. What do they say about any of these other guys on the third base waiver wire? If he's 
much, much better than let India go because I do think you can replace that. But if he's pretty on par with some of the other guys, which is possible in these shallow leagues with no corner infield, um, go ahead and let him go. But mm-hmm. remember, if you give him up and like the people like around you in the standings need a bunch of power, Matt Chapman could give it to them. What yes. is India going to give them? He can give them like hotness, I guess, <laughs> but he doesn't have like long-term sets. So in a really shallow league where Matt Chapman's not much above replacement level, go ahead and, and cut him. But for 95% of the people listening, it's probably Jonathan India. Yeah. I hate that when that happens. Or maybe when... Joey Votto. <laughs> When you drop someone and then right away he gets picked up by another team, you're like, what did I do wrong here? <laughs> I got ninth in the TGFBI in 2019. And the big reason why someone cut Yuli Gurriel in uh, late May and I needed a corner infielder. And it was right before he became like the best hitter on the planet for two mm-hmm. and a half months. There you go. Timing is everything, right? <laughs> it was it was so, quite lucky, but also he was like his upside was considerably higher than the rest of the again. I know in the TGFBI, it's the NFBC format. You get into real roster crunches because you can only have six bench, no IL. But what was tough there is that person did have to let go of what was clearly the best corner infielder available. Mm-hmm. So like you know someone's gonna grab him. Now you can't predict that he's gonna completely change his power profile for the next two and a half months, and that's unlucky. But mm-hmm. it is real like you really have to make sure if you're cutting the best player at that position, like corner outfield or uh, corner infield or outfield or something like that. If they're considered, if they're like hands down the best one available, you might be stuck. I get it, but really make sure you're stuck because you really don't want to give someone else. Someone else in your league is hurting at that position and you don't mm-hmm. want to give them the answer to their problems. Right. Yep. All right, we have a, one last one, and this is an interesting dilemma that this person has. It's a 10-teamer, head-to-head points, uh, and uh, has Fran Mill Reyes looking like he's going to be coming back fairly soon, and this person's kind of planning out whether he should drop Tommy Pham or Alex Kirilov. Now, uh, Pham has the track record, right? 243, 373, 369 triple slash in his first 67 games. Six homers, 11 stolen bases, expected batting average 257. Kirilov probably has the higher ceiling, right? But he's been coming on. You look at his numbers, batting 263, five homers, 21 RBI in his first 37 games. Uh, Tremendous expected numbers, 316 316 expected batting average. Uh, Breaking stuff is his enemy, 178 batting average against them. And, you know, before he got hurt, you know, he, he was really coming on and now he's starting to come on again and just seems on the verge of putting it all together there. Yeah. And let's say he does. What do you want him to be? Probably Fran Mel Reyes, right? Like that's kind of what you want him to be. Mm. Well, here's the thing. Fam's overall stats look bad and that's because he had a really, really bad month and a half to start this season, but he became the Padres leadoff hitter on May 22nd. Since that time, he's hitting at 301. With a 425 OBP and a 516 slugging, he's got five home runs, seven steals in that time. Excellent plate discipline, 17.7% walk rate, 25.7% strikeout rate. Um, in a points league, batting like batting order matters so much. Mm-hmm. And Fam hits leadoff. And while the Padres have been disappointing offensively, it ain't because of the top part of their order, right? Like. Hitting in front of Fernando Tatis is a good way to get a lot of points. And sure enough, he's scoring multiple runs with some frequency, right? He's, so I, it's, for me, it's Tommy, uh, Tommy Pham's the guy I need to keep. Now, I do understand that most point leagues don't value stolen bases nearly as much as they value hits, right? Like stolen bases just don't tend to matter as much in point leagues. They don't get mm-hmm. like that. They don't get that roto bump. Because you in points leagues, you don't care about scarcity in terms of stats. They don't matter. But leadoff for the Padres. Give me that. Give me that. So, like, it's not like I don't like Kirilov. But, again, there's a log jam in the corner outfield in Minnesota. It's only going to get worse as players eventually become healthy. And while I know that their season has probably slipped away from them, which is just mind-boggling that they're by far the worst team in the division by record right now because they're not the worst team by roster. Right. Not at all. I picked them to win that division to start the year. Uh, 
because I, I mean, they were really, I mean, they had to overcome some pitching, but they had such a good lineup and they were deep offensively and it just has not worked out too many guys got cold, whatever, but, um, give me, you know, I'll let Kirilov go. Not because I, I think that he'd be bad necessarily, but because he's probably the lesser option. Although again, it's not like Fran Mills that much better, especially if strikeouts like are a big penalty, but you know, I still would probably rather have Fran Mill. He's got huge power potential. Yeah. Give me Fran Mill fam, let Kirilov go. And just, it was hard, right? But it's a 10 teamer. So Kirilov's probably not the best option available for folks mm-hmm. looking for, you know, uh, an outfielder or something like that, because outfield's really deep in 10 team leagues. Yeah. Great stuff as always there, Scott. And uh, like I said, we're recording this on Saturday, the 19th. Scott, I want to wish you a very happy Father's Day. I'm going to go back. I was watching uh, Step Brothers before we started recording, and I, I forgot the, the, the question uh, that John Riley's character, Dale, you know, his uh, stepmom asked him, you know, so, so what do you do? And he said, well, I manage a baseball team. Little League? Fantasy League. But that's a really funny movie. But, Scott, thanks for everything. You did a great job uh, analyzing uh, all the questions that we had today. And uh, like I said, happy Father's Day to you, okay? Oh, thank you. And yeah, you, you set them up, I'll knock them down. And also, it's my 33rd birthday. On oh, my God. Today? No, no, Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, okay. Tuesday, my 33rd oh, okay. birthday. So, Father's Day and my birthday pretty much always line up. So, I get mm-hmm. a lot of uh, I get a lot of little gifts. In that time, and I take a nice long time off of work. I had Friday off. I got Monday and Tuesday off. So, you know, good thing I lost my phone now. I got plenty of time to find it. <laughs> nice. Hopefully, you get a lot of uh, Detroit Tigers paraphernalia and maybe some more schoolbooks uh, uh, cards. Uh, so, oh, yeah, enjoy I that. Four of them uh, last <laughs> night while I was up late. So, <laughs> we're rolling, baby. There you go. Happy birthday to you. Enjoy it. And I uh, want to thank everyone for allowing us to visit with you and I uh, hope that you were informed and entertained because that's our goal and uh, follow me at Joe Galena, follow Scott and wish him a happy birthday at if the chew fits, you can follow our podcast at hacks and jacks PL follow at picture list pods. And you'll be informed anytime that a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts on the picture list podcast network, subscribe to hacks and jacks on Apple podcasts and leave us a stellar five-star review And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. And holy crap, school pitches on my birthday. What a day that'll be. (laughs) 